Okay, cool, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, November 14th, 2017. And you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 50 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me. The Miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, despite the 15 minutes of technical difficulties that we experienced getting set up tonight, how are things, man? Uh, things are going well. I'm crazy busy over here. A bunch of deadlines that I've been working uh, and trying my best to get taken care of. Uh, but all things considered, things are going well. We're here, Mr. Nice Guy. We're even a couple minutes early. We are, than usual, you know, episode 50 And we're still is, going. Oh, I was just going to say, episode 50 is pretty significant. Because it means that we are 50% of the way to 100 episodes, man, which is fantastic. But personally, mm-hmm. though, any interesting stories, anything fun happened this week that you want to share with the people, man? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Um, you know, why don't you go first, and then I'll keep mulling on it, because nothing comes to mind, but I'm sure that something happened. This this weekend, the last week's been so hectic, there has to have been something worthwhile. It's all a blur, dude. It's all a blur for me and for you. So, the only, nothing super exciting, but I did have a show yesterday uh, in West Chicago, and it was really, really good. There was a heckler at the show. Um, yeah. Which is weird because it was like a 7 o'clock show. 7 p.m. is when the show started. So, I mean, usually, I mean, I don't drink, so I don't really know what people's mentality is. But it's like these people in the audience were just like just completely loaded. Just like straight, straight up drunk, you know what I mean? Um, at, at 7 o'clock in, in the evening. To me, that's still evening. And so the show went well i had fun you know but it was like everyone they were talking the whole time and at one point during my set one of the people in the audience just yelled out new jersey like just out of nowhere so it was like they were heckling but it wasn't even intelligent heckling and it was Uh more just like uh you know i don't know you know how sometimes people who have tourettes will i'm not trying to be rude but how they'll just like scream stuff out um, and they, they can't control it. That's what it was like, except these people were, did not have Tourette's. So it was an interesting show, to say the least. That's probably the only interesting thing that happened to me this week. Uh, but how about you, man? Anything else you want to you wanna share with the people? Yes, yes, one thing. I had something fantastic happen. I had the chance to go and uh, visit my grandmother. Um, she's not normally around these parts, but she wasn't too far away along with my aunt and uncle. And so had a lovely dinner with them, spent some time. My grandma's 92 years old. Oh, wow. And so we just had a, had a great time hanging out for a few hours, sharing a meal and catching up. It's always great to be able to spend some time with family that you haven't seen in a long time. But yeah, apart from that, it's just been me running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Mac, you speak in a very sophisticated way. Did you know that? You really do. You said you and your grandma had a lovely dinner. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> Which I, now I listen here, you charming. little. I think the viewers find it charming as well. I think it's fantastic. I'm not making. Now fun listen of you. here, you little, you little knickerbocker. We might have to edit that out. <laughs> okay, moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Um, okay, so. 
Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think? Let's do it. I haven't sent out a tweet yet. I'll do that in just a minute. I think people know that we stream. I think they do, but I sent out one. Oh, fantastic. I'll retweet you in a minute. So let's start with probably, I would say, the most significant story, gaming news story of the week, in my opinion. This is on (laughs) GameInformer.com, and it says, The Game Awards released its list of nominees for this year's show, with fans able to cast their votes for the first time. In an announcement released earlier today, the Game Awards host lays out its nominees across all categories for its upcoming 2017 award show on December 7th. In terms of games, uh, it lists some games. I'm not going to read those games yet. Um, But let's read some of these categories, Mac. We'll go through some of the games. I know that you don't do the console stuff, and this is a console-heavy list. Um, But you can still give me thoughts, and the people in the chat can do the same. So here are the nominees for Game of the Year 2017. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, also known as PUBG, Persona 5, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, now, I will say I'm surprised that Destiny 2 is not on the list. It's fantastic, and I feel like they really improved on Destiny 1. So, to me, that was that was surprising that that's not even on the list. Um, let's read some other stuff. I'm not going to go through, like, best audio and all that. Um... But let's go with, let's look at best mobile real quick, and we'll go through a few other categories, because Mac, I know you do some mobile stuff. Um, Here's the nominees for best mobile game. Super Mario Run, Old Man's Journey, Monument Valley 2, Hidden Folks, Folks, and uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Now, did Pokemon Go, did that come out last year? When did that come out? Um, I want to say it came out... Yeah, definitely last year. Yeah, it's been out longer than I remember, so that wouldn't be be eligible. Um, best handhold nominee game. Best yeah, handhold July, game. What's that? July sixth, um, twenty sixteen. July sixth. So yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's the best handheld nominees, guys in the chat. Let guys and girls in the chat. Let us know what you think. Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World, Monster Hunter Stories, Metroid. They spelled Metroid with a Y. <laughs> Metroid Samus Returns. Ever Oasis and Fire Emblem Echoes. They got VR nominees. Best Action Game. They got Prey, Neo, Destiny 2, Cuphead, and Wolfenstein 2. Best Action. Well, hey, there's Destiny 2. There's Destiny 2, but it didn't get nominated for Game of the Year, so that kind of surprised me. Now, Mech, about the mobile list, though. Are there any mobile mm-hmm. games that came out this year that you played that you feel like should have been on this list? Uh, or, no, or, not really. Yeah. I haven't seen anything that I felt was, you know, stand out in the mobile area. Pretty content with that list then. Okay, fair enough. Uh, best action adventure, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, Assassin's Creed Origins, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, and Horizon Zero Dawn once again. Now, it's interesting. I feel like whichever one wins game of the year of that should also be best action game because it's pretty much an overlap of the list. Uh, trying to see if there's any other game lists on here that I want to read. Here's, here's a couple lists, and we'll end on this. So there's there's best multiplayer and there's most anticipated game. Uh, we will uh, we'll go with both of these, and then we'll call this story a wrap. Best multiplayer, Fortnite, Call of Duty World War II, Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Destiny 2, and Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Most anticipated game goes to The Last of Us Part 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, Monster Hunter World, Marvel's Spider-Man, and God of War. Each of those games looks like they'll be fantastic. 
interested to see what you guys uh, think. I see people in the chat saying Destiny does not deserve a Game of the Year nomination, and I disagree. Uh, I think it is a fantastic game, and I hope that it it uh, it does well and wins some awards. So, uh, in other gaming news, Mac, you ever play StarCraft, StarCraft or two, or StarCraft three? Any of those games? Uh, back in the day, yes. Did you? Well, if you if you're looking to get back into it, this is on Game Informer as well. It says at BlizzCon a few weeks ago, Blizzard announced that StarCraft II's Terran campaign, Wings of Liberty, is going free to play. Today they pulled the lever, and you can play the game's first campaign and multiplayer for free. You can access the game through Battle.net to download, which gives you full access to the campaign. The full multiplayer ladder. <laughs> I love how I read the title and then someone else says in the chat, it's free to play. <laughs> Thank you for, for letting us know that. Um, it says you can play the full multiplayer ladder, ladder and all heroes up until level 5. If you already own Wings of Liberty, Blizzard is tossing you the second campaign, Heart of the Swarm, for free. Blizzard constantly killing it with the free content bringing people into their games. I think this is fantastic. Uh, you ever play Warcraft, Mac? You ever get into that? Warcraft 3, um, World of Warcraft? I kind of stopped in Warcraft 2. Warcraft 1 and 2 I know a lot about. Warcraft 3, not so much, because Warcraft 3 is kind of when they started changing up the formula, and it really wasn't the same game anymore. Gotcha. Fair enough. That's the one that I did play a little bit in college, but not a ton. Um, okay, so here is another story, and this is about video game movies. Always a controversial topic. This is on Game Rant. It says, Mario is already one of the best-known characters in the world, thanks to the massive success of the Super Mario games over the last three decades. But soon, even more people may learn about Mario and his friends, as Nintendo is reportedly in talks to create a new Super Mario movie. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, Nintendo is close to completing a deal with Universal Pictures and Illumination Entertainment regarding an animated Super Mario Bros. movie. Sources tell the publication that these talks have been ongoing for over a year. The film is in, quote, early stages of development. Okay, of course it is. Uh, and will not be released for, quote, several years. Mac, do we need a new Super Mario Bros. animated movie? Do we want a new Super Mario Bros. animated movie? What do you think? Look, I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper. Um, if it doesn't have the trifecta, then I will be protesting this new movie. Hashtag not my Mario. Hashtag not my <laughs> Luigi. Hashtag not my Koopa. So I'm just... That's, that, that's all I have to say. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, um, I don't think we need another Super Mario Brothers movie. I think it's just fine where it is. Um, but uh, but yeah, I could have sworn that after that movie they said never again. So I mean, so I'm surprised. I am shocked. I am floored that this is something that is happening, but I don't think it's really necessary, honestly. I find it hilarious that they phrase the article in a way that says... Um... That, that this will like this will expose more people to Super Mario Brothers. Like there's people out there who are in the demographic for this movie that don't already know who Mario is. I don't think that's really the case. I feel like people pretty much know who Mario is even if you don't play video games. And the people who would go see this movie are kids with their parents who already know. I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of redundant. But uh but yeah, we'll see what happens. At least it's animated, right? And they're not trying to do another live action. True. 
favorite live action video game movie, Mac. What what would you pick if you had to pick one? You're on a desert island, and there's gonna be a live action video game movie on repeat for the duration of your time. Which <laughs> which the one least would you objectionable pick? the least objectionable live action video game movie is almost certainly Resident Evil with Mila Jovovich. Um, however, anything on repeat's going to drive you insane. Yeah, I was I was kidding about it being on repeat. No one would. You could just turn it off. You could break it. You could throw it in the water if you're on an island. I Although, s- as is as is being brought up by people in chat, uh, I have not seen the Warcraft movie, so uh, so I can't really judge that one. That might be a better uh, live action video game movie. Although. When half of the characters are 90% CG, is it really a live-action movie anymore? It's a valid question. It's a valid question. Although Marvel, I mean, does... I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have called Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar. I wouldn't really have called that a live-action movie. There were real people in that, though. Yeah, sometimes. Eh, yeah, I guess it's half and half. I've never seen Assassin's Creed, but I heard bad things. So I mean, the the track record for video game movies is bad. Uh, we'll keep it moving, you guys. The next game news story comes on GameSpot.com, and this is about the new game, Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, it says, One of the most discussed elements of Star Wars Battlefront 2 has been around the game's use of loot boxes and microtransactions. The game lets you pay for loot boxes that include items that affect gameplay, and not everyone is happy about this. Now EA CFO Blake Jorgensen has responded, saying during a speaking event this week that you can expect developer DICE to constantly update the game over time as player feedback comes online as it has this week. Quote, the beauty of games today is you can constantly tune those games, Jorgensen said during the UBS Global Technology Conference 2017 this week. The quote goes on to say, so things that we that we, we heard today, there's a double we there, will tune in the game. And they'll be different tomorrow. Running a live service is all about constantly watching and listening to and reacting to the community to try and develop great gameplay. So, Mac, here's my question. Because I feel like microtransactions have been controversial for a while. Is this a valid excuse to say, well, hey, we know people don't like the game now, but ultimately we can update it later. Do you think, I I don't know, I have a strong opinion on that when we're talking about microtransactions. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I'm i just not a big fan of the whole situation in general, and a lot of people aren't. Um, to put it into some perspective, I was reading that uh, uh, that EA's, um, you know, that, that one of EA's comments about this is quickly on its way to becoming the most downvoted comment in all of Reddit history. Really? Yes. I mean, it's not there yet. I think it's like four or five places away. But yeah, there's 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 some real hate going on right now. Um, and yeah, I just feel like this is not the kind of game I want to play anyway. It wouldn't be. I mean, it's not my genre. It's not my is not my thing, but in general, I've always felt like if you're going to sell me a game with microtransactions, it better be a game that I don't have to pay anything for. Um, free, if I'm paying something for, yeah, free game upfront, microtransactions, maybe even though I abhor them, um, but that's you know that's a little bit more reasonable to me. If I'm going to pay a full game price for this, 
I am not interested in microtransactions being a part of it at all. And I, I just don't know what it is. It's like Star Wars is cursed. You know, like Star Wars games either go in development and never get finished or they go in development, get finished, and then they're half-baked or there's some type of controversy. With Battlefront 1, it was that there was no single-player campaign. Now there's a single-player campaign in the sequel, but they have microtransactions where you have to pay to win. Uh, I just, I don't understand why they can't just make good Star Wars games. It's like they just need to put a different studio in charge of it. I don't know. I don't understand what the deal is, so... Um, anyway, someone in the chat says, heartbreaking rumor of the week, Red Dead Redemption 2 will have microtransactions. Mm, I don't know if that's true, but I know that Rockstar charged microtransactions for GTA Online, from what I've heard. So maybe they're going that route. We'll have to wait and see till the game comes out. Uh, a couple more news stories, and then we will keep it moving. Uh, just I'll just read the title on this one. Overwatch may release Mora this week. New hero in Overwatch potentially coming. Uh, it's currently available in the PTR, which is the test region for those of you who are on PC. Uh, and then, you know, we'll end on this one. This is on, about player unknown battlegrounds, uh, and it's about how they punish cheaters. Uh, it says, although player unknown battleground, and this is on Game Rant, although player unknown battleground developer Blue Hole Camp possibly be able to eliminate all of the cheaters in its game, the studio is taking a clever approach towards players they suspect are cheating. Just recently, players with a history of using cheat software have begun to note matches with other cheaters in them. Uh, so Mac, I'm not going to read this whole article, but just your general thoughts. Players who are cheating in-game are now being put into games with cheaters. It's a very strategic move in which the dishonest are being forced to play with the dishonest. What do you think? Is this effective, or should they just go back to banning people? No, I think I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I mean, le when you get right down to it, yes, there is some amount of, uh, of, of, you know, what is owed even to the cheater. And one thing that is kind of owed to the cheater is that they paid money for the game. Yes. And they have the license, they have the whatever to, uh, to use it. So, but if you're not going to play, if you're not going to play nice, let's stick you in with other people who also won't play nice. Maybe that makes the game less fun for you, but that's kind of where we sit when you can't play by the rules. If only we could do that with all sorts of things. Give us an example. Oh no, I'm just I'm just saying in general life, you know, people who uh, who don't put a penny in the take a penny leave a penny jar, um, you know, uh, uh, people who don't wash their hands after using the bathroom, it's nasty. you know, just like it's that, nasty. Just, just like that. If we could if, if we could take any of those things, just so make wait, sure so that I, those people only interacted with the other people with the same type of vices, you know, then we'd uh, then we'd be it'd be great. Or changing lanes in the middle of an intersection, you know, turning to the out, making a left hand turn into the outside lane rather than the inside lane. I feel strongly about. So this. how would that work? I've got to elaborate on this, man. So like, let's oh say no, there's I, people... I can't. I, I can't make it work. This I, is this is fantasy land. I this know, is magic. This I'm is just hypothesize. So like, people oh, who okay. don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom mm -hmm. can only have their sandwiches made by other people who don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom, or can only shake hands with other people who don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom, or who can only high five other people who don't wash their hands, or who can only date. Other people who don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom. I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it ends. But I do know that's our news for the week. And I'll turn it over to you, Mac. 
All right, so now that we've taken a look at some of the uh, some of the gaming news, some of the games that have uh, that have come out are coming out, you know, the the current, the present day of games, I want to take us back in time a little bit and look at some of the games that have come out in uh, in this past week in years that have gone before. Now, some of them are groundbreaking, some of them are cultural icons, and some of them are just plain fun. But here we go with some gaming history. Now, let's start with uh, 1995. The PS1 saw the release of Twisted Metal. Do you remember this it's game? Class- it's a classic game. Very iconic. Loved it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was a launch title for the PS1, but uh, it was pretty close. That I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was not, though. Yeah, but it is, uh, but it is certainly one of the more, uh, one of the most interesting. Uh, um, I, I I feel like it is one of the more interesting of the racing games you know, really that you can point at and say like, hmm, what's a what's a game, what's a racing game that really stands out to you? A lot of people would probably say Twisted Metal. If for nothing else than the fact that the clown, you know, that the clown ice cream truck shot these bombs. It was, I don't even remember the names, but I just have it stuck in my head of the, uh, of, of the clown ice cream truck in Twisted Metal. Yeah, I can't it remember, is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know it. It's up there, and it's never going away. Never. So, that's Twisted Metal um, for the PS1. But there is probably an even bigger title that's worth noting, and that is Halo 2 was released in 2004 for the original Xbox. Halo 2 was the... uh, (laughs) Halo 2, the follow-up to Halo 1. Um, it's always hard to follow up a game that has so much love. And as we know, the first Halo, which, interestingly enough, could have been a uh, an Apple game. Um, Apple didn't really want to stick with it. This was right around the time that Steve Jobs uh, came back to take over Apple. He said, no, none of this video game stuff, and, uh, and, and, and kicked that off where my, into Microsoft's open arms. And so Halo wound up being uh, the launch title for the Xbox. So because it was the launch title for the Xbox, almost everybody played Halo. I, every almost everybody loved it in many ways. Um, while we, uh, while uh, while Half Life did a lot to bring, um, to bring first-person shooters into a uh, heavy ne- narrative world-building be- way, um, Halo. I feel like is one of the is one of the games that now typifies the genre of first-person shooters in a way that nothing else really does. And maybe that's just because I seemed to know a lot more people who, you know, were big on Xbox. But uh, but what do you think, Mr. Nice Guy? Halo franchise synonymous with first-person shooters or a good stand-in for first-person shooter genre in general? I think it is, and I I actually was thinking about this earlier today. I feel like now when people think first-person shooter, they think Call of Duty, um, unfortunately. But Halo, Mm. I, I, I don't know. I feel like Master Chief is probably, other than Mario, the most iconic video game character. So, I mean, Halo's influence, it's just undeniable. Fantastic franchise, even though it's changed hands and Bungie now no no longer works on it. 
great games, the Halo games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Halo 2, uh, a, a worthy successor to Halo 1 in most ways, um, improved some things, changed some things up, gave you a gun in each hand, uh, lots of things to be, you know, to be happy about with that sequel. As always, there are going to be some things that you don't care much for, but on the whole, a worthy successor, a worthy next step in the franchise. Um, next up, we have this one that uh, that um, maybe if we don't think of uh, of Halo as being the you know the typical, the pinnacle, the prototypical first-person shooter, maybe this one. How about uh, Half-Life Counter Strike? What, what did you just say? Half-Life Counter-Strike. I am not familiar. You're not familiar with Counter-Strike, Mr. Nice Guy? Counter-Strike, but not with Half-Life Counter-Strike. Ah, well, Mr. Nice Guy, you see, Counter-Strike was a, ha- was a Half-Life mod. I feel like I should know this, and I'm embarrassed that I did not know this. No, no, not at all, because... And the thing of it is, is it was all about packaging, Right? So, uh, when Counter-Strike was ready to be released on its own, and it's something that takes a little bit to appreciate that, uh, that, you know, that maybe, maybe kind of gets lost in just not thinking about it, because, um, because when you had a mod to a game, because we didn't have an easy way to pass along mods, like, for example, right, I've got, uh, Half-Life 2, I want to play a mod, or I want to play somebody's specialty map that they've made, I just download it on Steam, I, you know, I, I just pick it up, but back in 2000, when these came out, when uh, when this mod was officially released, and um, I believe it was distributed by Sierra, if I'm not very much mistaken, which is odd to think of, but uh, but it was actually distributed as a standalone product. Interesting. Even though it was a mod to Half Life, used uh, many of the same assets, added some more of its own. Uh, but it was absolutely just a changed, modified version of Half-Life. But because there was no real distribu- um, uh, digital distribution, the Counter-Strike part, big, bold, you know, with a, a mod for Half-Life, very, very small. So Counter-Strike doesn't even seem, for most of us, because we don't remember downloading the Half-Life game and then grabbing the mod and downloading the mod for it, it doesn't have that same connection in our minds, but it absolutely, Counter-Strike absolutely was a mod for Half-Life. So, uh, so yeah, but nonetheless, I, wh- what do you think? Counter-Strike, uh, prototypical first-person shooter? We've just got a lot of first-person shooters this it's time around. huge, and I would, I would go so far as to say like prototypical esports title because mm. it's one of the main shooters that's an esports title and furthermore it's one of the ones that does not have an annual release so it just goes to show how much longevity is in that game with call of duty they're getting a new one every year obviously that keeps it fresh counter-strike is not getting a new game every year it's been the same people playing for over a decade uh getting really good at that game so i think that says something about the quality of the game and its influence in gaming mm-hmm. and it's strange to think that all these great things came out just this past week. And, and I suppose, strictly speaking, there is one other, but I never had it, and I don't know of anybody who did. It was the e-reader attachment for the Nintendo Game Boy. 
See, or, uh, or I should say Game Boy Advance. I don't even know what that is. Right. So it was basically like, you know, those card readers, like those square card readers that people can plug into their smartphones, run your, you know, credit card and such. Yeah, yeah. Is basically that sort of a thing that you plugged into your Game Boy Advance. And they had these little, uh, they had these little cards with those strips on them that you ran through it, and they would upload. Uh, they had upload like a game, like a classic game. There was even a whole series of games. I believe, a, you know, Super Mario Brothers one, uh, maybe a couple of others. That that's what you did. You loaded them from that strip instead of from a cartridge. Uh, there weren't a lot of games that came out for it. I think only around the neighborhood of thirty or so. But uh, but it was certainly it was certainly something something interesting that Nintendo experimented with, right up there with the likes of the Game Boy printer and the Game Boy camera, that uh, that probably got a lot more press. But nonetheless, it's not something that I ever played with. But it is noteworthy that it came out uh, that it came out this past week, back in two thousand and two. And so, Mister Nice Guy, that's that's what I had for gaming. History now, gaming history week. is always so informative, but I think this week was literally the best gaming history that we have ever had. Like, I didn't know a lot of things that you talked about today, so this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, well done, my friend. Well done. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right, guys. Well, it's time for our next segment, which is our topic of the week, where we talk about something that's relevant today in gaming and in gaming news. And this week, our story has to do with has to deal with GameStop. Uh, This article comes from Kotaku, and I'll read a little bit. It says, GameStop has suspended its PowerPass program, which offers customers six months of unlimited access to used games. The retail chain told employees yesterday to pull down all signage involving the program and store it in their back rooms, according to two GameStop staff. It's not clear why GameStop is freezing the program, but employees have speculated to Kotaku that some of the company's antiquated computers weren't equipped to handle it. PowerPass, which Soft launched this week, would give participants unlimited access to any used game in a given store for six months. For $60, you'd be able to treat GameStop as a library, taking out one pre-owned game at a time, and after six months, you'd get to keep one. Uh, Quote, we have elected to temporarily pause the rollout of the new PowerPass subscription service based on a few program limitations we have identified. We feel this is the right thing to do for now to ensure that we are able to provide our guests an exceptional service, a GameStop spokeswoman told Kotaku. So, Mac, I got some questions for you about this, and you guys in the chat can let us know um, what you think. Let's Let's start with this question. Why do you think GameStop is doing this? Why are they a company that does that sells used games, uh, that sells new games, that sells you know other things now too, as far as toys and as far as a magazine subscription? Why are they now making a rental program and and doubling down on on this concept at, in 2017? Well, because they want to target the Maction audience. Oh, okay. What do you mean by and, that? And uh, then they realized that the Maction audience was an audience of one, Maction, and then decided it was unfeasible, and so they decided to shut the program down. That That's basically really what's going on here, because I would have really enjoyed being able, you know, I would have paid, I probably would have paid that amount to go in, pick up whatever used game they had that I wanted to play, play it for a bit, bring it back, and, you know, and check out another one. 
I really, I really kind of like that idea. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think they're probably shuttering it because there's likely not sufficient interest to make it go that much. And, and maybe, maybe they're concerned as well that, um, that they're going to have some used games that are more popular than others. But while these are being checked out, not only can they not be sold to the people who want to buy them, buy the used games, that is, but also there's going to be a larger, you know, there's going to be a larger incidence of people scratching the discs of the games coming back, not being usable and therefore not being rentable slat in this program as well as being sellable normally but uh, but i think overall it's probably a lack of interest in the program in general maybe it didn't test well in the places that they uh, that they tried it out okay now i want to get some elaboration from people in the chat who are saying that this model is not sustainable i'm just curious um, what your opinion is. And I want to read a comment in the chat from our friend Posi160. He says, they have to do anything to maintain relevancy in an oversaturated... Oh, people are talking. It's scrolling. In an oversaturated market where their original core business of selling games nor the new business of Funkos and magazines are really keeping them afloat. So I think that that's part of it. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of cynical about GameStop in general. I think that part of the reason they're doing this is because people used them as a rental service even before this. So GameStop has a rule where you can buy a used game and if you quote unquote don't like it, you can return it within seven days. And I know for a fact from knowing people who worked at GameStop that people would buy games over a weekend, beat the game real quick, you know, if it's a 10 or 15 hour single player campaign, and then they would just return it. So they were effectively renting the games. Now, I agree um, with Maxion's comment that there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, the premise of, of me going in and renting a used game and then bringing it back and, and it potentially being scratched, or even worse, me renting a game that is already scratched and then being accused of scratching it, it j- there's just too much that could go wrong. You know, there's going to be people who you know, rent a game, and, and I, I don't see the worst in people, but I mean, there will be people who rent games and replace their personal copy with the game that they rented because it's in better condition. There will be all kinds of things happening um, that, that just shouldn't be happening. And so I don't know if GameStop maybe didn't think all these variables through before they launched the program, and now they did. Uh, but I don't know. I On the other hand, Mac, I think it's a fantastic idea, like you. Um, you get the chance to rent a game that you don't want to buy. And here's the kicker, boys and girls. At the end of six months, you get to keep a game. So to me, that's worth $60. D- does anyone in the chat disagree? Well, I do think that most of the used games in question are likely going to be games that don't cost... You know, I, I mean, when you're talking about doing something like this, you kind of want to feel that on the end of it, that you are coming out of it ahead. You know what I mean? That you're getting a good deal. And uh, and I don't know if... Well, I mean, depending upon which game you end up with, maybe it was a sweet deal. Maybe you do end up with a game that's still like 40 or whatever dollars at GameStop, like Skyward Sword or something for the Wii, which is... I want to say is significantly more expensive than most of the other used Wii games, but, uh, but you know, just stuff like that. 
But that's a really valid point too, because you think about games that have just come out, especially in November every year when we get you know a new Call of Duty, potentially a new Battlefield, uh, and and uh, several other titles. You know, this year we got Destiny, sometimes Titanfall, and things like that. Uh, those games used at GameStop, they're usually going for about, I believe, fifty dollars. So, I mean, if, if you can rent games for six months and then say, you know what game I want to take home as my used game? I want to take home this one that's $50 used. That's a new release. The reality is, is that if I went out and bought Call of Duty today, the new Call of Duty used, I'm getting a very new disc because the game has only been out for a couple weeks, right? So, so I feel like people can play the system is the point I'm getting at. They can rent games for six months and then get a new released game in used format and, and totally come out ahead. Does that make sense? You get a $50 used game, you've effectively rented games for six months for $10. Boom, you come out ahead. So I don't know, maybe they didn't foresee this. Now I want to read Galvatron's comment. He says, GameStop is scared to death of an all-digital console future, which is creeping ever closer. They need to expand into other market like Philip Morris did when smoking rates went down. Um, well, interesting, interesting uh, theory. Mac, do you have any other comments on this before we uh, keep it moving, man? No, not really. Sounds good. Well, that has been our topic of the week. Thank you for your opinions, Mac. I'll turn it back over to you, man. All right. So now comes the part of the show where we ask for a little bit of audience participation. For those of you who are here for the live recording of this, we encourage you to just type your opinions into the chat. For those of you who are listening to us on your drive, your commute, feel free to just yell it out when I ask for your input. We will be tallying your votes from afar. It's time to talk about whether we should kickstart a crowdfunding project or whether we should kick it to the curb. So we're going to post a link in the chat so that you guys here live can see what we're talking about. And we're going to talk about some of the virtues and the vices of this crowdfunding project. And at the end, give, her, and give our deliberation. So, let's start with this game that I'm going to mispronounce everything in here. This is disclaimer up front. Maction's going to mispronounce everything. Uh, so, Raji um, is an ancient, an ancient epic. So, it's an action-adventure game. Done with a third-person floating, um, I don't know if you quite call it isometric, because it's not fixed. Um, it's not fixed at an angle, but it's, uh, it's third-person, bird's-eye-view action-adventure game set in ancient India, which is not a backdrop that we get very often in games. But uh, the main character is a young girl who has, uh, you know, who has basically superpowers, well, divinely given superpowers, and is defending ancient, uh, ancient India from demons, uh, which sounds fantastic. Um, there are some lovely visuals, some good, uh, you know, some good uh, uh, videos that you can watch of combat in the game and such. It seems very much to play a lot like what you would expect from, say, a third-person Zelda-ish type uh, type game. It certainly brings up those sorts of uh, impressions to me. The visuals look nice. Uh, the pricing is fairly nice. 
in more ways than one. If you want to have a digital copy, a PC digital copy, you're looking at about a $20 buy-in for uh, it. If you want to pick your own um, copy for like uh, which platform, uh, then you're looking at a $37 buy-in, but that they're planning on PlayStation, uh, Xbox, and Switch. Um, and, uh, and of course the, uh, $31 if you want to get in, oh no, sorry, sorry, uh, the same $37 if you want to get in on beta access, if that's something that appeals to you guys like it does to me. Also, there is a very, I think, a pretty reasonable, uh, uh, asking price. They're hoping to raise $157,000 in order to make this game. And they're expecting delivery to be summer of 2019. Two years out seems fairly reasonable. It's probably going to be delayed till, you know, probably uh, winter 2019. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to poke too many. Uh, you know, I don't want to poke at their, their expected date too much. But it does look positively lovely. Mr. Nice Guy, tell me, what do you think? Poke some holes. No. Of all the games that you've shown, and I'm not saying that you ever pick bad games unless you're trying to, um, but a lot of times you pick stuff, and I think we sometimes make jokes on, on per- purpose. We but do. This one, we do. Sometimes I'll absolutely trot something out just so that we can say, this is how not to do a Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. And and this one, ah, this looks really, really solid. Uh, so, like... If it, I think $31 is too much. I feel like this is a $15 to $20 game. Uh, but, I mean, this... Well, this, if you're okay with it on PC, $21 that's for, true, the, but for I, a Steam I, copy. I, I want this for my Switch. Um, mm. and Because uh, I want to play this on the go. And it looks fantastic. It looks like an updated version of Bastion. Like, um, if any of you have ever played Bastion, it looks like Bastion yes, on steroids. Bastion. What'd you say, Mac? Yes, Bastion, absolutely. I think the thing that really, really gets me, though, is that all of the uh, um, uh, that the demons, uh, you know, they're, of course, rooted in, uh, in Indian folklore, but they're very, very different. Very different than what, uh, than what's very, than, than a, like a Western um, tradition type demon. And I really like that. Yeah, this looks... Man, I might actually give some money to these people. This looks really, really good. Um, just looking at the videos and, and the effort that they have put into this, they've already been working on it. Um, looks like they've already gotten quotes from people in the industry. There's one here at the bottom that says, Looks fantastic, and the collective community really loved the game's concept. That's from a guy named Phil Elliott, director of indie publishing with Square Enix West. Um, there's other quotes that I won't go through and read, but I mean, these people have put in the groundwork. Um, they've shown that this looks like a legitimate project. And Mac, it sucks that it's two years out, but at the same time, that's better than it being six months out. Because we mm. know what happens sometimes when these types of games are estimated to be six months away. They get delayed, and they get delayed, and they don't end up coming out. So these people are down to earth uh, as far as their ability to assess how long it will take. I think this looks great. That's all I have to say. Well, you know me, Mr. Nice Guy. I have one big requirement. What is one it? One big one. It is, it has to have a playable demo. You can talk all you want. You can show renders. There has to be a playable demo before I'm going to wager my money on this 
still, which of course all Kickstarter projects are, all crowdfunded projects are inherently uncertain. So I've gotta have a playable demo and it absolutely does have a playable demo. And it mentions that like, like two things down, right? You, you, you look under, you know, under the campaign, you see the video, you scroll down, write in the first couple of paragraphs, playable demo available on Steam, which is absolutely what I want to see from all video game Kickstarters. Make sure I know that I can see a sample of this work and see how it, see how it comes together and that your team has the expertise needed to make something, to make something happen. So uh, I'm on, very much on the Kickstart side for this one. Yeah, and, and we're, at this point, are we taking votes yet? Oh yeah, it's time. Throw it in there. So my Max says Kickstart. Mine is this should absolutely be kickstarted. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is an example of of some people who have a lot of talent in making games who really just need the cash to make it happen. This isn't a matter of someone who wants to get their name out there by by raising some cash and then making an okay game. This is some people who are professionals and who have done the groundwork and who have industry connections trying to make an indie game, and this is the type of stuff that should be supported. So I think this should absolutely 100% be kickstarted, and I hope they make it. Did you play the playable demo, Mac? I gotta know. Did you already try it? I did. And? It's good. Yeah? How, mm-hmm. how long is the demo? It's not too terribly long, but long enough for me to get a good taste of it. Um, I actually, instead of grabbing it on Steam, they've also got it. You can get it on, uh, oh gosh, what's it's called? It's like Itch.io. Itch.io? Yeah. However you're supposed to say it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, which I assume is the same as the Steam, Steam version. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the playable demo, it's all right. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't see anyone really saying anything bad. Actually, there's one person who said they wouldn't support it, but they also said they won't support anything. So I get it. I get it. But, Mac, what do the results look like? Well, it looks like, for the most part, everybody thinks that they're pretty enthused by it. A couple of people say that they just don't do Kickstarters in general, which is fine, which is fine. But those who have weighed in, in not a uh, blanket statement, say that it looks good. So... Definitely looks like the yays win on this one. Fantastic, Mac. You dropping? And that's some, all. Are you dropping some money on this one, or uh, not at this point? Oh yeah, I'll be dropping some money on this. Gotta get my, gotta get my twenty-one dollar one. The only question is whether I'll wager a few extra dollars in order to get some beta access. But uh, but I think I'm probably just going to back it at the uh, you know at the introductory price basically. But, uh, but yeah, that's all that I had for, uh, for this week's kick or kickstart. All right. Well, moving on, guys. It's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's time for the main event, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's time for our dummy of the week. Week, week, week. A segment of the show where I talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and we roast them. We make fun of them here live on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. Uh, This article comes from Yahoo News, and I will read the article. You guys are going to like this one. And in fact, credit to Maction, because he saw this and emailed it to me. He says, this should be our dummy of the week. I agree. It's funny, and it's very dumb as well. It says a Florida woman was arrested on Monday after attempting to carry out one of the most interesting robberies we've ever seen. 
Cheyenne Amber West, a 25-year-old mother from Fort Pierce, was charged with felony grand theft and felony shoplifting after she rang up $1,824 worth of electronics for just $3.70. I'm going to read that again. Uh, after she rang up $1,824 worth of electronics for just $3.70 at a Walmart self-checkout, according to the TC Palm. How did she do this, you're asking? Well, nice guy's going to tell you. <laughs> we already have people face palming in the chat because they probably already know what she did. It says the suspect and her mom, Alicia West, allegedly picked up several high-priced items from the store's electronics department, including video games and a laptop, and covered up the barcodes with stickers of merchandise from the store's clearance department. A loss per so in case you guys are, are keeping score at home, uh, Mac, do you want to kind of uh, translate exactly what these folks did so that we can make sure that people understand? Well, I don't know as I could do a better job than you, Mr. Nice yeah, Guy. Yeah, okay, I got this. So basically, they said, you know what? I want this laptop that cost $1,500, but I don't want to pay $1,500 for it. And uh, so you know what we should do? Let's walk over here to the clearance underwear section take off some of these stickers off the clearance underwear and put it onto the laptop so then when we walk up to the self-checkout and swipe it, it'll ring up as $1.94 and that's not suspicious at all. Now here's my thing. Well, let me just read the rest of the article first. It says a loss prevention officer at Walmart took notice of the pair and stopped them before they could make out with the quote-unquote discounted goods. Quote, I am just trying to get gifts for my son that I cannot afford, West told a responding deputy. The computer, Aren't we all? I, yeah, this is ridiculous. The computer is for my husband, she said. Since he just got me a coach purse, I figured he deserved something nice as well. West is currently being held at the Indian River County Jail in Florida on a $3,000 bond. So here's my thing. First of all, the Walmart deserves some of the blame for this because... Anytime that I have gone to Walmart or any store, in fact, I went to a store here locally today called Meyer to buy some games for my kids for Christmas. And when I went to the electronics department and someone opened the case for me, they rang me up right at the register back in the electronics department. So I don't know how this lady got a laptop and took it to the self-checkout. That's, that's not how things work. You know what I mean? And furthermore, did she really think she was going to get away with that? Like, did she really well, think, like, what if her husband later wanted to return the laptop? He would have showed up and been like, I want to return this laptop. You, do you have a receipt? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay, that'll be $1.84. Here you go. You should have just kept the laptop. I don't know how that works. Mac, you look like you have a comment, my friend. Yeah, so two comments. One, I don't know, is Coach a brown brand like Prada or, you know, something like that? I don't know. Because it sounds like she makes a point of mentioning couch purse or coach purse or something like that. Like it's something. I'm gonna you know. I'm gonna Google Coach right now because I don't okay. know, but I'm gonna assume that it's expensive. So coach while purse. you're doing that, while you're doing that, I'm going to hop on to the next one. I'm going to say the and and of course, we're not there. We didn't see it happen. We're just going off of what the uh, uh you know, of the the dummy who appeared in the news. Um but it seems to indicate that the only reason she was stopped was because a loss prevention officer at Walmart took notice. 
that like, I mean like I don't know how it's set up in Florida but in the western United States the self checkouts pretty close to the door so I mean yeah I kind of feel like this is a situation where I almost got them um <laughs> couch leatherware is very expensive apparently yeah, is that I'm, what you I, I googled it these are like 300 to 500 dollar purses so yeah they're pricey okay yeah pricey more than anyone should ever be paying for a purse i mean 300 dollars for a leather jacket yeah yeah i could see that but purse ugh. and it, but it's yeah. funny you mentioned that she was right by the door did you ever watch that show back in the day uh chris anderson nbc how to catch a predator no so it was a show it was kind of creepy they would like they'd lure in people who were trying to kidnap kids and things like that and then he would you didn't see this show no it seems like it was very dark we're getting way off topic but it's actually not as dark as you'd think it was actually kind of entertaining uh, i've seen some youtube clips of it so i guess they would talk to people online right talk to these creepers online and then they'd bring them into the house Right. They'd say and then there'd be a kid in the back room off camera and the kid would say something like, come on in. I got some cookies. And the guy, the creeper would sit down, eat some cookies. And then Chris Anderson, news reporter, would come out and say, what are you doing here to the adult male in the room? He'd be like, oh, I was just here hanging out. And he'd be like, well, I have this transcript here where you were talking to this kid. And, uh, and then he'd be like, what you're doing is wrong. It's time for you to leave. And then the guy would get up. And he would leave the house and he would think that, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but I'm getting off scot-free. And he would get tackled by police officers, Mac. So it was very, my point is, it was very similar to this lady. It's like the loss prevention article officer let her get by the exit and then tackled her and said, you're not getting away with that $1.84 laptop. We made you think you were, but you're not. Guys, that has been our dummy of the week. Mac, I'll turn it over to you, my friend. All right, so last thing, and uh, we'll be making this one a little bit quicker than usual, happens to be our segment about the interface of law and video games. And we call it Legalese. Legalese. So sometimes, sometimes these are situations where, uh, where there's a lawsuit that might be changing the way that we play games, consume media. Sometimes it's about... Uh, about uh, lawsuits that have in the past that have shaped things but this one this one's just a little funny slash sad and it has to do with the call of duty series so the makers of humvee you're you're aware you know the vehicle the car the or well i should say the the very large big ruggedized vehicles for carrying people in gear humvee you know i mean I'm sure you've got a, everybody's got a concept in their mind of, of the type of vehicle and what it looks like when you say Humvee. It's got a very, uh, very, very typical, uh, very typical thing, you know. Anyway, point being is that Humvee has a very specific look, style, and, and all of that. And they are suing the publishers of the Call of Duty franchise for the use of its military vehicles. What? in their games without their permission. So AM General LLC accused Activision Blizzard Incorporated of reaping, quote, billions of dollars by using both the Humvee and the Humvee trademarks in its games and related toys and books. 
So, I'm just going to say right now that I have no idea how this is going to go with this winds up being a, you know, winds up being a, a case that gets heard, a lawsuit that doesn't get settled real fast. But I'm just thinking that I would be hard-pressed to make the argument with a straight face that the success of the Call of Duty franchise is due in large part to the Humvee, to the Humvee's presence. Um, I don't know if the call if the Call of Duty franchise is going to cite fair use as the you know in the use of the Humvee style of vehicles and say this is a game about military military engagement military and the use of military equipment um it's not we're not trying to use the humvee brand but there is only one type of vehicle used by the military for these purposes so there's no real escaping it i mean i honestly this is this is fresh off the presses that this lawsuit has been filed we'll see where it goes but I'm just, you know, there's a part of me that's a little, that's a little surprised, honestly. Surprised at the lawsuit? Yeah, surprised at the lawsuit. Hmm. Just because, I mean, yeah, sure, there are Humvees in there, but, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just surprised. It's such an insignificant part of the game that I get you. I understand. I think it's such a frivolous lawsuit, like, to have the audacity to even try this. But it's America, so I'm not surprised in that regard. Yeah, and we'll see. Who knows? Maybe likely it'll be, you know, quick settlement, out of court, licensing fee paid, done. But, uh, but I mean, the reaping billions of dollars by using the Humvee and Humvee trademarks in the games really gives the impression that the claim is that they have made billions of dollars and the use of the Humvee contributes to that. Yeah, it's, it's I would silly. certainly argue that that's not the case, but who knows? We'll see. It's their lawsuit. They need to do it. And, you know, I'm no lawyer. I just play one on TV. So take it with a grain of salt. But that has been our legalese for this week. Awesome. And guys and girls and kids, that has been our show for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we go, we have one last segment, but before we do that segment, I just want to say 50 episodes in, this is so much fun every week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to show love, if you want to show support, leave a rating on iTunes. Look us up, Two Nerds in a Pod, uh, and hit us up on Twitter at Two Nerds in a Pod also. So, that said, we have one more segment before we go. It's called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about what we've been watching and what we've been playing and while we it's do a it very cleverly named segment yeah it's i don't know who came up with it but it's brilliant we should copyright it um we while we're doing it we want you guys to flood the chat flood the chat with the games that you have been playing and the media that you have been watching it could be youtube stuff it could be twitch it could be movies it could be netflix it could be you know voodoo it could be whatever just let us know what nerdy media you've been watching so that we can enjoy it too mac you want to get us started with your stuff Absolutely, I'll get us started. So, I have not been playing much. I have not, that I haven't already mentioned, I haven't been watching much. 
Uh, maybe an episode of Madden Secretary. Nice. There we go. It's just been nothing but deadlines, Mr. Nice Guy, this whole last week. So uh, that's what I've been watching and playing. Mr. Nice Guy, over to you. Awesome. Now, here's one thing I got a question for you, because I know you're a huge fan like me of the Marvel stuff. And there's a lot of Marvel stuff that's already out. There's a lot of Marvel stuff that's coming out. Are you excited for The Punisher? Because you know that has the character. Are you, did you know The Punisher's coming out, I believe, this week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has the character, John Bernthal's character uh, from Daredevil in his own franchise, in his own series. You excited for that, Mac? Not especially. I thought I thought uh, Punisher worked well within uh, within Daredevil season two, and really helped to kind of root the series in a way that it probably wouldn't have been as good without the Punisher in it. But I don't see that there is enough to the Punisher to make a well-rounded series. I think we've kind of explored the Punisher as deep as we really need to. Interesting. And I mean, Marvel has done a good job of introducing new characters or of rebooting franchises. For example, they used Spider-Man in the Avengers movie, right? Before the new Spider-Man movie came out. Uh, So I was kind of hoping that they would succeed in introducing the Punisher to us in Daredevil and then putting out a phenomenal Punisher series. We will see. It's to be seen. But anyway, as far as the stuff that I've been watching and playing, kind of like you, Mac, I've been playing just a couple things. Destiny 2, been rocking it, Um, getting all those exotic guns, uh, trying to max my level out. I still have not maxed my level out, but I'm almost there. I just picked up three new games today because there was a buy two, get one free. Uh, I picked up, I better whisper so my kids don't hear because it's Christmas stuff. I picked up Super Mario Odyssey. I uh, picked up ARMS because my kid really wants that game for Christmas. ARMS, the, the Switch game, and then also Splatoon 2. I got as the free game. So I'll be hopping into those uh, within the next uh, six weeks once Christmas is here. And I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone. I've been getting back into that on the iPhone. Fantastic game. Blizzard stays killing it. Uh, with all their media as far as what i've been watching i'm almost done watching the arcade impossible series on youtube that's actually about a guy in illinois who collects arcade games it's fantastic um and as far as uh tv lots of nba uh, and i've also been doing a man night uh with some people i know out here every week we get together we play old school halo games so that's another thing i've been playing the arcade always on there with the kids lots of mario 8 uh, and uh, a little bit of Sega Tetris as well. Mac, that's it for me, man. Do you want to hit up the chat, see what the people have been into? Sure, sure. We've got some uh, Voltron Season 4, some Star Trek Discovery. Um, uh, yeah, and yeah, as far as playing, we've got some games like World of Tanks, Gears of War 4, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, Stellar Interface, uh, Stellar Interface, uh, Vigante, and Stellaris. So, sound like good games. Sound like we've got people who are having some fun, watching some movies, videos, playing some games, as we all should be. And we got Justice League coming this month as well. Mac, I say... Oh, yeah. I say, that. I say we wrap this up. I can tell you're not excited about it, but you should be. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to be a jerk about it. But, yeah, Justice League. Oh, and I've been watching Walking Dead. I've been watching Walking Dead as well. Mac, are you caught up or not with Walking Dead? Nope, I am not. I won't say nothing. Sorry. Guys, this has been episode number 50 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Hit us up here every week on Tuesday, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain. Twitch.tv backslash Two Nerds in a Pod. Hit up the iTunes. Leave us some ratings. We'll see you next week. You guys really are the best viewers on Twitch. 
keep it nerdy. Deuces. <laughs>